Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back. It's Business of Film, a crafttruck.com podcast. My name's Jesse Eichmann, and this is episode number 11. Today, we welcome Travis Stevens to the show. Travis is, let's just say, a workhorse. Uh, he knows his business. He understands uh, the financing and the budgeting and what it takes to get films made. Uh, this this podcast, honestly, it's chock full of good stuff, and uh, I'm I'm just going to dive right in. I really hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoy talking with Travis. So big thanks to him for coming on the show, and uh, I hope you get as much out of it as I did. So um, once again... Welcome back and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Travis Stevens, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang out with us today. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, listen, before we kind of get into all the fun stuff that we have to talk about today, maybe you can take a minute, and uh, or two, or three, and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the business. Uh, let's see. I have been uh, an independent producer for the last three years, uh, focused primarily on what is now known as elevated genre films, which I like to think of as just actually good genre films. Um, but saying the word elevated seems to make um, make people feel better about being involved in them. Um, and uh, I started in the business in 96, um, desperately doing anything I could to be on a film set in, in California and worked as an extra and uh, as a PA and uh, eventually got into uh, doing script coverage for free. And that led to one thing, led to another thing, and, and finally found myself in uh, an aspect of the business called foreign sales which is um, probably the most uh, valuable thing to sort of understand when you're trying to trying to make movies is, is sort of what the perceived value of a movie is, uh, how you put financing together uh, from around the world to get a movie made, and how to make movies that actually uh, can travel. Uh, and I did that for, for five years and, and worked with a lot of great filmmakers and Finally, felt ready to go out and start making my own movies. So, uh, out of curiosity, was it foreign sales the place that you wanted to start your career? Was that, or was that just by by chance? You were just kind of looking for a, a new place to go. Yeah, I mean that was totally by chance. And and to be honest, until I worked in foreign sales, I, I just had the goal, oh, I want to make movies, but I didn't have any understanding of how you actually make a movie. So, so I had spent, I think, 10 years, 10, maybe over 10 years in Los Angeles, waking up every day going, oh, I want to make movies, but not working any closer towards that goal. So the, you know, whether it was writing a script or, or saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to help my buddy make his movie or, you know, it was a bunch of, there was a bunch of effort put in not actually getting any closer to that, that goal. Um, and so, Foreign sales, it was an opportunity that came came along because a friend worked at a company and uh, they said they needed somebody who could do contracts. 
And I said, oh, I can do contracts, which was a total lie. Uh, and uh, luckily they didn't mm-hmm. realize that for a while. But, um, uh, yeah, I just sort of ended up there. And, and it's great because you actually learn what the mechanics of making, a, uh, you know, putting a financing together and, and sort of what making a movie actually means. So it wasn't something I was looking to do, but I'm really, really glad that I ended up there. Okay, so to paraphrase what you're saying is lie to get into the business. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I, 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 I had to go there. It was great. It was great. Um, seriously, seriously, though, um, what, uh, what was the company that you were working for, if I may ask? Uh, the first company was a company called Imagination Worldwide. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, run by a Canadian. Fine man named Pierre David, who, who does probably uh, ten movies a year uh, out of Ottawa. Um, and uh, when I started there, uh, they were also looking to acquire films so that they could they could sell, uh, you know, in foreign territories. And this was right uh, after nine eleven, and, and the horror sort of boom was starting to happen. And um, so we started getting involved with a lot of uh, sort of indie horror filmmakers from, from around the world and started picking up their titles and and uh, had a lot of success with that because with the horror films, you could you could get attention for them uh, and a lot more press for them than you could for sort of um, low-budget indie dramas or comedies that, that didn't have names. Um, and so that company so imagination got a reputation for having these high quality horror films and because of that I, I went and uh helped launch a company called um celluloid nightmares which was a, a partnership between um xyz films and a french company called uh celluloid dreams xyz films has another fine canadian uh as a member which is todd brown who runs twitch so, yeah, uh, the, we know we know the guys at XYZ very well. Actually, they're uh, they're, they're they're good friends of uh, of us and of Craft Truck and all that kind of good stuff. And um, you know, obviously, they're they're doing some awesome stuff there. And, and I remember when Cell- Celluloid Dreams was, um, or sorry, Cell- Celluloid Nightmares was 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 first launched. I, I thought that was a really interesting partnership. I didn't know that you. Uh, were involved in that at the beginning. So that's actually really, really cool. Before we talk about that, though, I am curious, from when you first got into uh, the sales uh, the sales business with Pierre, uh, what would you say were some of your biggest takeaways from that experience? Um, it's, it's, there's so much. Well, on, on, on a small level, just the idea of, of getting that just because you have a movie doesn't mean that it's going to be sold in every territory in the world. The, the fact that there's, there's cultural differences uh, that means a movie m- might not necessarily travel. I mean, again, uh, for me, I'll just put it in the context of, of at that point in the business, my awareness of, of sort of distribution in general was just so naive. Um, and just being in the room and showing uh, trailers to, you know, a buyer from Thailand, a buyer from South Africa, you know, buyers from all over the world and, and seeing the different reactions to the different types of films was just a real eye opener. 
and it 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 makes you sort of analyze uh, projects with a with a different perspective because you go, okay, will this travel? And if it won't, okay, then how do we make the movie? Uh, you know, financially sound, knowing it's only going to play in you know, say North America or or here or there. Uh, so on one level, just just sort of understanding the 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 value of of a project uh, content wise and then just the whole business so of, let, me, let, let, let me actually pause you right there when you say understand the value of a movie content wise what went into the talk to me not necessarily about the specifics but about the uh, although any specific examples are, are, you know, welcome, but what I'm really interested in is the thinking process that went into that evaluation. So when you would sit down, you would see a movie at that point in time, and I know it was early in, in your career, but you can even expand the experience to obviously what you're doing at, at, at Celluloid. Um, it's the thinking process that I'm really interested in. So what were the ev- evaluation criteria for you? How would you, you know, put that all together for me? So, and I'm sure this is for everybody, like, when you first watch a movie, you're you're sort of gauging it on your own in, uh, interest in it. You know, is this doing something I find interesting? Is it cool? Am I am I engaged? Do I like it? Um, but then you have to go beyond it and go, okay, w- you know, will this work in these other territories? Is is it too, you know, maybe too uh, culturally specific to small town America or to, you know, is it just too narrow uh, uh, a, a, a look at, at, at you know, cultural, uh, I guess is it too culturally specific, whatever that, that, that subculture or culture may be. Um, you know, it's a stupid thing, and, and I'm a bit out of date on this stuff now, but there's there's bigger things where it's like monster movies will work in, you know, certain territories, Japan or, or certain territories, but they'll completely not work in other territories. Um, same thing with like ghost movies. Uh, so it's it's something where you might be watching the movie, going, "Wow, this is a really good uh, monster movie," but in the in the sales aspect of it, you have to take into account that that doesn't mean you're going to be able to sell it in every territory in the world. You know, um, so it's it's. You just sort of start evaluating it with a with a broader perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so uh, you 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 transition then into celluloid nightmares, and I assume that's just uh, an expansion of your um, your the role that you were doing previous, but still very much you're you're a sales guy uh, selling and I guess selling and packaging. Were you financing at that point too, or or no? No, not not really. It was my, my sort of, I think, strength was uh, recognizing content and, and talent and um, and films that, that had something unique about them that could travel. The the financing and, and that aspect of it, there are people who are probably much better at it than I am. Um, there's a there's a certain certain swagger. That, that comes with that, and, and I admire everybody who, who has that uh, characteristic. Um, but, you know, in just establishing relationships with distributors around the world, um, you do sort of 
start to have access to to uh, opportunities to you know share scripts early in the in the stages uh, with distributors and uh, put together pre-sales and stuff like that. So it's um, it's something that uh, just by being in, in this aspect of the business, uh, I've, I've gotten some experience with, but I wouldn't say it's my my greatest skill. So you, so we, yeah. And, <laughs> go, no, no, go, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. Oh no, it's going to say um, it's not something I particularly like doing. You know, it's nice. Like, I just want to make movies with friends uh, and have partnerships for a long time. So, so there's distributors that we have, you know, close relationships with, and it just makes it makes it easier. But that that sort of, you know, being at dinners and can and 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 stuff and and just sort of just focusing on the financing aspect is not something I particularly enjoy. So you make this jump, I guess, three years ago from being on the sales side to now you want to be a producer. What was that something that was that always the end goal or now, or did you, you consciously left the sales business with the goal of, I want to produce. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything from, from, being an art department PA on, on the movie Secretary and just lugging couches around to, to being an extra and Starship Troopers, you know, everything has always been, I want to make movies, I want to make movies, I want to learn how you make movies. Um, and then what, what happened was as the technology, you know, made it easier and cheaper to make these movies, um, when I was acquiring films, I started you know, establishing these relationships with filmmakers who, who were just doing it on their own. And that idea that you could just do it on your own, that you didn't need somebody else to, to sort of grant you the, the you know, golden ticket. Um, you know, that just changed everything for me. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, have a friendship with, with Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, um, and they said, "Look, we want to do a movie that that you know has a chance of being commercially successful, and um, and do you want to get involved? Do you want to produce it?" And so we made a horrible way to die together. And finally, after you know 15 years of of, of wanting to make movies, it finally felt like I had the the understanding uh, how to do it both both from a distribution level and from an actual pragmatic level. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was the big thing and it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the creative aspect was a lot of fun and, uh, that movie, you know, premiered in Toronto and, and I said, okay, I've got to just commit to this full time. And since then, uh, I made 10 films and, um, you know, I'm going to keep going until I drop dead. That's awesome. Uh, the so let's let's talk about some of these films. You describe them as elevated genre films. Now, was and is it still a conscious choice to play in that world based on your sales experience of what has been selling, or has it been one of those things where you you made one elevated genre film that works, so you'll make another, and that works, so you'll make another? Uh, I mean, you seem to play very well in this space, um, and I'm just wondering whether that is. Is this is this driven by passion, by business, a little bit of both? Just 
talk to me about that for 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 a minute. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's a it's a it's a combination. I mean, I, I yeah, I love genre films, but I, I love all films. I mean, I, I love just good movies. You know, whether it's a doc, whether it's a drama, whether it's comedy, you know, it's just just like movies that are doing something interesting and something unexpected and are engaging. The economics of the the genre film, you know, the the horror, action, sci-fi, tend to be a bit more predictable. So the financing is a bit easier to come by. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah, I like doing it. I like finding ways to sort of flip the script on, on a horror movie. All right, we're going to do a haunted house movie. Well, what, what is going to make this movie different? You know, what's, what's going to make this movie unique and stand out? And that's, that's a fun part of the process that I think we've been able to do on a few of our films. Um, but I mean, it, you know, in the back of my head, I, I know there will be other non, non sort of genre films that that I make at some point. Um, but it may just take a little, a little while, or to find the perfect script and the perfect filmmaker that makes the financing um, easier to easier to get. So where where are you looking for your material? What's your uh, method to finding you know material that you want to produce? It's 100% uh, based on drinking beers with filmmakers at, at like festivals and, and, and sort of friends. Like, um, it's totally just having a relationship with somebody and getting to know them and deciding, like, yeah, this would be fun. It would be fun to make some art with this person. You know? It's more like... Um, like when musicians decide they want to they want to jam together, you know, you just sort of get a get a sense of someone and and decide you want to you want to embark on that that three year process. I love that analogy. It's actually the, probably the best analogy I've heard ever for that. So thank you. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. Good. Let's end the call right now and go out on a high note. Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I, I got to pick some more good stuff out of your brain. This is good. This is good. Um, so, can we can we take any one of these movies? Maybe like what would be um, one of the more recent films that you might be comfortable just talking about? Just some um, some of the process that went into how did you got it made? I'd be interested just to kind of deconstruct, um, you know, something that's recent history. If 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 you're up for that yeah. challenge. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we did a, I did a movie this year called Cheap Thrills uh, that Kevin Katz directed. And that was, you know, the same sort of process was started where Evan and I were roommates, uh, had been friends for years, and he just knocked on the door one morning, and, and I think it was... Um, Around the time that the Toronto Midnight Madness titles had been uh, announced for uh, 2011 or 2012, and he's like, you know what, I'm I'm tired of, of just waiting to make a movie. I just want to make a movie. I said, All right, I said, well, what movie do you want to make? And we had a buddy, uh, Trent, who had written Dead Girl, 
Uh, and Evan's like, well, Trent's got this script that I read, and I think there's something interesting there. All right, let's do it. And, you know, so it was just three friends saying, all right, let's make a movie together. And, you know, we spent, a, I think it was two years sort of really working on the script. Uh, brought in a, a guy named David Turcherillo, a young guy, to, to help uh, get the script into shape. And then brought in some other filmmaker friends from New Artists Alliance, um, to, to uh, done a couple of films like Growth and, and Static. Uh, they came in, came on board, and so it was basically just a group of friends going out to to make this movie. Um, it came out really good, and uh, that same year it did a movie called Big Ass Spider. That was a similar sort of thing. I had some friends who had had money and had a, a script called Dino Spider, and they were like, "We want it." want to make a, a cool movie. We want to make a, uh, you know, a monster movie that's going to work for all these territories, uh, around the world, but we want to do a good quality version of that. Uh, and that was, uh, Patrick and Shaked from Epic Pictures. We said, okay. And reached out to another friend, Mike Mendez, the director said, Hey, you want to take a look at this? Could be a finale. So then together with that group, we, we, we make a movie. And it's, I think with both of those, you just sort of, you, you look at the core of what the movie is, and then you look for the places that uh, you can have fun with it. And and uh, again, to go back to the music analogy, you just want to find the, the the places that you can really you know come up with a good riff uh, that's going to make it make make the movie stand out. You know. And and how did you go about putting together? I mean, were these movies that were. Uh, financed by private equity, or did you bring it out to the market in advance and you know get the market sort of feedback or any pre-sales involved in these films? I, I'm just sort yeah. of wondering how how did the how did those pieces fall into place for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, each movie is different. It tends to be a combination of, of uh, private equity, my company putting in money, uh, and pre-sales. Um, on, that's what it, uh, on Cheap Thrills, it was just uh, private equity. Uh, we just rolled the dice, knowing that we could make the movie for a price and, and, and you know, there'd be a better upside. On uh, Big Ass Spider, Epic had totally provided the uh, the financing. Uh, I'm not sure if the financing was coming from pre-sales or if they had a, a equity that was uh, assured by the interest from pre-sales, meaning, meaning you know, Epic's a, a, now a distributor production company for a sales agent, so they have the ability to, to float an idea past their their uh, buyers, you know, before they start spending money on it. So um, they would have to speak more to that. But I mean, that's the with these films right now, it, it does seem. Uh, easy enough to sort of put the the financing together from those three sort of areas. Now, talk to me about casting. Uh, These movies that you're making seem to be more concept-driven than they are cast-driven. Is that uh, a budget thing, conscious choice? Um, Did you try and get a certain level of cast. Uh, what's the, what was the thinking and process behind casting, you know, one or both those movies? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm actually, and I'm dealing with it now on, on two films, uh, 
Like casting genre films is a freaking nightmare. Um, unless there's there's some piece involved that assures people. Like I'm sure uh, Jason Jason Blum has no problem casting his movies, you know. But on these smaller scale genre films, you have to. It's just a battle to convince people that this movie is going to be something special. You know, um, because I think the, the immediate reaction tends to be, oh, it's a, it's a horror movie. It's on a house movie. Oh, it's a, wait, a giant spider running around Los Angeles? Um, and I think once, once you, once you can actually sit with an actor and talk to them about, about the vision and about what's going to make this movie different, it gets a lot easier. But just getting getting through that in, that initial sort of uh, barrier is really difficult. So on all of these films, like we'll make offers to to big actors, um, you know, because they would be great in the film, and the film would be something they'd be proud of. Um, it's just uh, you don't always you don't always you know can't always convince them. So, uh, you know, uh, I think that in all the films that we've made, we've been really, really fortunate to work with incredible actors. Um, and I think whether they're, they're huge stars or just starting out, or maybe they hadn't been around for a while, it's just, if you have a real understanding of the movie you're trying to make, and you have the opportunity to sit down and, and talk with them in depth, you can end up making the, the right choices. So like, like Cheap Thrills, you know, just the combination of, of uh, Pat Healy, who is sort of a, a guy who's been around for a while, but hadn't necessarily had that, that been put into a leading man role. The combination of him with David Koechner, who's been in lots of big high-profile movies, but... Not not one, you know, maybe the lead like like ours, bringing back Ethan Embry that maybe people haven't seen his work as recently, and then putting him into a, a spotlight role like all of that is is you know you end up with something that that feels special, and I think the the main thing is just because you have the chance to really talk with them and and sort of pick the right actors that are going to be the, the right combination. So that was a really long answer. Sorry. No, no, it's, it, it's actually, it's, it's was actually a very insightful answer. And in many ways, maybe the most truth that, you know, we've heard to date on this podcast, especially when you say that, you know, casting, casting for genre movies can be a nightmare. I mean, that's, that's, that's very, that's very real. Uh, and what, what comes to mind is, uh, you know, these these actors that you have, uh, are they ever acid tested? I mean, because the level of actors that you, I mean, they're all great actors, and I know all those guys, and they're all yeah. fabulous actors, uh, and there's no doubt that casting those actors contributed to the quality of the movie. But I would suspect that those actors don't necessarily automatically translate to uh, international sales. Were those yeah. actors? Uh, because I'm, I'm just I'm guessing here, but I, those actors probably weren't on you know the international sales lists 
short list of actors that they want. But the quality of the movie combined with these good actors just means that you make a, you know, a better movie. Better movie means more sales. So were you, so I guess coming to the question, was it ever in the back of your mind when casting those actors or any of those actors of that, you know, international known, internationally known level, was the sales equation ever plugged into those, to those actors? Uh, not for me, because these, a lot of our budgets tend to be so small that, that they're not totally cast dependent to get the, to get the numbers to satisfy the, the financiers. Um, but on some of the bigger, bigger projects that were involved with, um, yeah, it totally, it, it, it is an issue. Um, it's just a weird thing where, like, we have a movie right now that uh, we've got basically four million to make the movie, and that four million comes on the condition that we cast an actor that's basically going to cost two million. So then you're then you've got two million to play with, all the fees and stuff, blah blah blah, comes in and. and you got 1.5 million left, and it's like it's like when you're in that situation, you just look at it and you're like, "Does this make sense? Like this doesn't make sense to me. Like it doesn't feel feel logical." Um, but uh, I, I guess that's just the nature of, of you know movies in that that sort of realm. Yeah, I kind of prefer the smaller movies where you can just sort of find people who are we're going to be easy to deal with and, and, you know, you can make something fun with, you know, let's talk about approach then, because obviously are, are you approaching these actors when your film is already greenlit? Are you, you're, you, you, you know, you're moving forward, films getting made, you're going out to the actors and the agents in that frame of mind, or are you still kind of working on the financing side of it and doing the whole chicken and egg dance? Um, 99% of the time I don't go to actors until the movie's got the financing in place we have a start date and, and we're ready to move forward uh, we have one that we're casting right now that um, the financing is basically in place how much depends on who we have in the two lead roles so that's a little bit of the chicken egg thing um, it just doesn't feel very uh, like you can't make any progress with it. You know, I'd much rather having a start date, knowing we're we're filming, because it just sort of that momentum means decisions get made easier. You know, because you, both internally you're like, well, shit, I've only got five days. We're gonna have to, you know, make some decisions, uh, and then also externally, where you can you can put pressure on the agents bar. You know, if it's if. I mean, I just, I haven't had any experience where it's sort of like having a, having a project and going out and trying to attach talent and then bringing it to the marketplace. Um, you know, it may just be because, uh, you know, on these smaller sort of horror films, we don't need to go through that dance. Uh, and it's also probably because these are smaller films, I need to make more of them a year and just don't have the time to, to sort of dance that long. 
Well, yeah. what I love about what you're saying is that there's a certain rhythm, it seems like, to your business, which is you don't... You're not playing that chicken and egg kind of dance. You know the economics of your business, and you're able to roll from one movie to the next and just keep keep a pace going, um, which is amazing. And, and so, are you are you building out your business model sort of on that idea that you're that you're going to put out one or two of these movies at a certain price point that you know what the economics of that are. That's going to be. That'll bring in a certain amount of money. That'll keep you going to the next one. I mean, are you? Are you? Do you feel you're in that rhythm right now? Yeah, yeah, and which is great for me. My wife thinks that it's a horrible model, and she wants me to just. She doesn't understand why I don't just make a ten million dollar movie. But, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, it takes a lot of the sort of the dream, the dreaming out of it, you know. You know you can make a movie for this much. You know who you're going to hit up for, you know, to, to put that financing together. You know what sort of level of cash you're going to be able to get. And and then the fun can be in sort of the making of the film, you know, because you don't have to waste so much energy on the going and having meetings that go nowhere, you know, waiting on other people to, to believe in the, in the thing. It's just a... I'm not trying to just make shit, yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, you you can be vague on this answer or as specific or just say no comment. But I I, um, I know our listeners would know, and I'm I'm certainly curious. Can you give us broad strokes, even even ranges of what sort of the the range of budget is that you're working with, and the range of anticipated profitability that you're working with? Uh, you know, taking out the the dream of hitting it big, it seems like you've got a very stable economic model. Do you want to comment on that at all, or do you just want me to move on? Uh, yeah, just because I think it's, you know, I hate seeing these these film proposals that reference, you know, Blair Witch and, uh, you know, Paranormal Activity as, you know, they were made for X, and look how much money they generated. Um, I mean, every every... Everybody's experience is different. Uh, my experience has been for movies in the 300 to 500 range. You can expect a return of um, probably 300 to, to 600 uh, on a pretty consistent basis. So... There's, you know, so basically, you know, you want to make the, if you're making the movie for, for 250 chances are everybody's going to make, make some money. If you're making the movie for five, you're going to be pretty tight unless something uh, remarkable happens. And these are, you know, other people may, may have uh, different experiences. I, I listen, I, I, I know the, it's one of these weird businesses. It's like if you're in real estate, you know, you can you can point to the house and you can say, oh yeah, yeah. that house was a million bucks and it sold for one point four. You know, after the buyer put in you know some some renovation and and and, fl- and flipped it. You know, real estate is very tangible. The film business, yeah. people, you know, I, I and I understand it's it's a very selectively kind of funny, ethereal sensitive business especially when it comes to the numbers and I applaud certainly you for kind of leaping out into the void and giving some of those 
examples. I think that's actually a really concrete level of not only budget but expectation. Uh, but also, it's I, I think to a certain degree the business is starting to trend more in the way of transparency. And I don't know why that is, but I just kind of feel that with you know some of the larger sales companies out there are now being slightly more transparent with some of their VOD numbers that you, filmmakers are getting a better understanding of you know what it takes to make a movie and how much they can expect to make and i just feel like before it was just you know you you could never even break into even f- start to figure this stuff out it was just yeah. you know, it was impossible unless you were yeah. in it yeah i mean it seems you know i think the model before was just people lying to each other to make as much money as possible and there was enough potential revenue sources and enough dupes out there that the lying went on for a long time. Now, it isn't. You can't. The only way this thing can, can, can survive is a sustainable model. And that's only possible when the farmers be more honest about how much it takes to raise the crops and the stores being honest and how, how many, you know, fucking bushels of apples are selling and, you know, so on and so on. It's, it's, it's been a huge relief over the last couple of years to, to have conversations with people that, that seem aligned with, with my reality. Um, you know, I still have conversations with people where they'll throw out a number that they got for, a, you know, a movie in a territory or, or a budget for a film that I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. I, I don't know how you got that. You know, that, you know, and, and, you know, there's always exceptions with some relationship somebody has that, that, that is outside the norm. But it does seem like buyers, producers, agents, um, everybody is short of being a lot more, uh, Honest and realistic. Do these uh, do these um, films? Do you find that they scare agents and managers? Do people look at these elevated genre movies and they go, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in this kind of thing for my clients, or you know, like do, do because I mean, listen, a working actor is a working actor, but I'm wondering whether you know or 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 do you or do you feel that when you're interacting with agents and managers specifically to work with talent um in whatever level be it uh below the line or above the line talent uh is this just the the bread and butter of the business i don't think they're i don't think they're scared so much i I think especially uh sort of the younger agents um understand you know, if you work with a cool filmmaker uh, and the movie premieres at a festival, there, there's value to that. Right. Don't be necessarily scared, but the, the financials of it are so small that if their client doesn't really respond to the material, there's probably not much reason to, to push them, you know? Because, they're, they're, you know, what... Everybody on the movie is being paid up front is, is probably a fraction of, of, well, not probably, obviously a fraction of what they would get on a TV show or, or a, um, a studio film or, or a bigger budget movie. So 
you know, there's not a lot of incentive there to really, really push them. So it's not, not so much scared as sort of like, you know, unless, you know, the client really has to really respond to the material or want to work with the filmmaker to, to sort of get much traction there. Uh, yeah, I, I may have used the wrong wording in scared, but I think you, you, you know, you help to, yeah. clar- you help to clarify that for sure. And, and yeah. definitely, uh, you know, I get what, what you're putting down. So, uh, why don't you go out and make a $10 million dollar movie? I mean, your, your wife would, would be happier. What's up with that? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase that. So it's not so offensive. Um, cause that was slightly offensive and I apologize for the offensiveness. No, 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 that's not actually what I meant. I'm going to, I'm going to take somebody, somebody else on another podcast that we did said, you know what? It's just as hard to make, you know, uh, a low budget movie as it is to make a, uh, you know, a high budget movie. So you might as well make the high budget movie. Now I, to a certain extent, I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt and you know, that's where the, the, the jokingness comes from, but, um, no, I, but, but I am genuinely curious, you know, do you, do you ever feel like it's like, it would be better to spend more amount of time trying to really do that kind of $10 million budget level? Or is this, is the, is the consistency of being able to put out the elevated genre movies, you know, while maybe trying to simultaneously do the $10 million movie or the larger budget movie, um, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm scur- I'm, I don't know, I'm skirting a question here to a certain extent, but, but, uh, what's your thinking there? I mean, I, I think you, you, you get what the question is. What's, what's your mm-hmm. thinking there? Uh, for me, it's, it was a matter of the path to the bigger budget movies, which, you know, I'm not independently wealthy. I didn't come up through the agency system and have relationships to, with financiers at that level. Uh, so for me, I needed to establish a track record uh, and work my way up to those bigger budgets. Um, so, you know, this upcoming year, uh, you know, we have a couple that are in the next bracket of, of financing. Uh, and then hopefully those will be a success and, and it will continue going from there. Uh, that being said, I do, you know, I'm probably closer to wanting to be I don't know the discord records of uh of independent film you know I just want to work with with cool people that that are in my sort of world and um if that means doing smaller smaller budget movies a lot you know that that's fine too you know um I just love it. i mean first of all the, the analogy of course is just jamming with you know people that you want to work with is of course you know awesome and i I think the real takeaway in what you had just said there or at least the takeaway for me is just the idea that there is a value in being able to put out consistently movies at a certain budget level and using that to leverage your way up to the next budget level and then to the next budget level. And, you know, the idea of just coming right out of the gate and doing a $10 million movie, I mean, that, you know, if you're so lucky to do that, you know, God bless. But there's definitely value in the way you're approaching it. And the and the consistency is just... it. It, it's honestly, it's amazing, you know, and more people should be able to do what you're doing because it's, it's just bloody difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it is, you know, it really, it's a, it's a matter of really needing, like really having to be able to understand the, you know, the quality of the content and the quality of the people you're working with, you know? So, so for me, it's like, I, I'm totally, 
really lucky because these have been really, really talented filmmakers, uh, really talented cast, and, and the movies have, have come out, you know, as good or, or, or even better than, than we ever could have dreamed, you know. But if you don't have that, um, if you're not getting that reward, it's, it's a lot of work for not much money and, uh, you know, it's probably just not worth it. You know, like, like people say, Oh, you're doing like the Roger Corman model or, or, you know, there's been more, more recent, um, people who sort of, they have this, you know, like the asylum, not to, not to bag on them, but it's like, like what I'm doing isn't because it's like a financial model and it's like, Oh, I make it for this. I sell it for this and I'm making X amount and I'll just do, you know, a hundred movies a year. Um, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm really proud of these movies and I'm really, the process of making them is, is as big a reward as, as the movie success. You know, I think that's a great place to end. Um, and thank you for your time today, Travis. Uh, honestly, I think there's just, there's just some awesome stuff here. Um, and if people wanted to connect with you, how would they best do so? Uh, email at snowportpictures at gmail.com, Twitter. I think it's Travis Stevens at Travis Stevens. Uh, Facebook. You can roll by my house if you're in the neighborhood. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. All right, Travis. Listen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. It was, it was awesome. You have a you have a lovely uh, chilly weekend.